And welcome, welcome everyone to an extremely special episode of the Eaton Asphalt Podcast. It has been about a week and a half since we have uh, had done this. This is actually episode 35. Uh, like a set of airplane tires landing in Austin, Texas uh, for myself and Ian. Hey-o. We're ready to roll. Yes. Ian, how you doing? Dude, I'm buzzing like I've never buzzed before. I think lost sleep at how excited I am to touch down in Austin to get the full experience of an F1 weekend in a state where everything's bigger and better. And yeah, man, just overall excited. Legitimately cannot wait for this. Yeah, you know what I kind of feel like right now? What do you feel like? I kind of feel like island boys in got got gun and looking at the sun cuz we in them island boys. On today's episode, we have recent headlines (laughs) that we'll get into. (laughs) We will talk a little bit about the track and the U.S. Grand Prix as a whole. And then, as always, get into our always right, never wrong race predictions. So I will pass it over to my island boy to go with the first recent headline. Marco, why don't you start us off? Alrighty, Roo. First headline we got is... F1 has officially made a 2022 calendar. Just some small notable changes that we had seen compared to you know this year or uh, in recent years past. Saudi Arabia will be right after Bahrain. Woo. Australia is obviously back on the track. We have Canada back on the track. And Sorry. the U.S. will now have two GPs, Miami in May and Austin in October. So I, I really do like that they're spreading out the U.S. ones. So it's not kind of like a back-to-back or... Uh, one in two weeks. Uh, that's great. Two things on the calendar uh, to look forward to. And yeah, I mean, I know 2021 season has been great so far, but always nice to kind of look down down the road after this is done and know that it's coming up so- shortly and some some fun tracks to, uh, to look forward to. Yeah, I totally agree about having one in May and then having another in October. It makes it a lot more feasible from like a travel schedule and financial uh, capability to be able to go to both. Which I definitely can we get a can we get an Eden Asphalt guarantee that we're going to go to both GPS? Yes, absolutely. We will be there. Mark that down as a Marco guarantee. Next up on recent headlines, Danica Patrick will be joining the F1 coverage team for the Grand Prix in Austin, Texas, for the U.S. Grand Prix. You might know Danica Patrick for her short dating stint with Aaron Rodgers, but she is obviously a very well-decorated driver. Uh, she was, you know, an IndyCar series, did some time in NASCAR, actually won, was on the podium at the end of the year for the Toyota Atlantic Championship, which we all, of course, know exactly what that is. Um, she's raced in Le Mans, the American Le Mans series, that is. Um, and yeah, so very well uh, experienced driver, 39 years old, been racing since just about, uh, you know, couple years after I was born so I'm actually kind of excited for this just to kind of hear her insight into you know kind of behind the wheel stuff Um, there was a time way back where she was rumored to be going into F1 but I think she was just like yeah that's that's you know not an interest of mine really I I like the the IndyCar and the NASCAR side of things so yeah I mean thoughts on this are you you excited for this or is this kind of like a meh thing for you yeah it'll be like interesting to get a a non like F1 heavy person that's been in kind of obviously the motorsport realm for a long time um just coming in seeing like how much difference it is to them and getting some background experience and talking about that so yeah i'm excited 
I would say going back on what you said about her potentially being an F1 driver, I would also say like skill has to be a factor of why she wasn't um, actually promoted to F1, um, not just that she was not interested in it. So, I mean, nice, cool spin on it. But, yeah, I, don't, I didn't see that like she wasn't kicking ass in F1 or, or IndyCar. So, yeah. Well, anyways, uh, moving on to the next headline, Sergio Perez, like, trouble in paradise here, because Perez says it's not easy being teammates with Max Verstappen. Um, Obviously, quite a bit of a classic clickbait that we have seen F1 do uh, strategically often. Basically, what he was saying, that it's just tough to be Max's teammate, because as Perez says it, quote, he is at one with the car. He's really delivering at a very high level. So basically just saying it's hard to, it would be similar to anyone driving with Lewis, someone that is just constantly winning out, has like outpacing everyone. Um, so yeah, I I think, yeah, that, that big headline that I saw in many articles saying it's not easy and, and being teammates with Max, just blown over proportions. Shocker. I mean, F1 journalists, I guess you could say this with most journalists, but like, uh, F1 journalist's ability to take one quote and be able to spin a whole story off of like, oh, well, this, you know, this really could be pointing in a direction where there is, like you said, trouble in paradise or where, yeah, the narrative of Max Verstappen being a difficult person to deal with is, is even more concreted. Like, I think we do owe it to ourselves and obviously the listeners of the Eaton Asphalt podcast to put something together where we... Uh, you know, we have some kind of sector that involves F1 headlines. So maybe keep an eye out for that. But yeah, I mean, essentially the <laughs> summation of this article is Max Verstappen is a really good driver. It's like, oh, appreciate mm-hmm. appreciate the insight, guys. Did you also see that uh, Max, I didn't realize this, but after I think season two of Drive to Survive that he, I think they just misquoted him a couple of times and put some um, some quotes into certain situations that wasn't true and then he just he has stopped since uh being interviewed by them really he just put his foot down and said like no yeah he was like i don't really care about this i don't like they were kind of saying that he's not a huge household name in america which it's hard to i thought that i was uh highly disagreeing with that i feel like most people know who max is but he was just saying that you know he wasn't spending the time and rejecting the interviews and all that those conversations with Drive to Survive after the one season where they did that to him. And he said, nope, I don't care about the publicity. I don't care about any of that drama. I'm out. Yeah, I mean, it's a well-known fact about Drive to Survive, right, is that they just put different audio clips with different video clips together to make it more dramatic, which does make it more dramatic. It just doesn't necessarily make it real. But, uh, but yeah, that's funny. I didn't know he just, like, cut out of that. But, uh, anyway, while we're on the topic of articles that are essentially just fluff and no substance whatsoever, uh, another article came out saying that, ha- quote, Haas is ready for points in 2022. They only need a, quote, better car. Like, yeah, dude. Like, uh, like obviously this is a thing that you need to score points is a better car. So, I mean, just – I think the more I the more I look into this of these F1 journalists just putting out this bullshit is, is – I think the more interested I am. And I might try to put some articles out myself. I'm e- eating asphalt articles. It seems like, dude, <laughs> we, could, we could easily catch some eyes with the way that they spin things. <laughs> we could we give it a shot. Moving on, Valtteri Botas has earned more points than both Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen since announcing his move to Alfa Romeo. So, Ian, is this you know just kind of like a weight off of his shoulders, knowing that he doesn't have to lose his seat anymore? All the issues that he's been dealing with Mercedes over the last couple of years is just a sign of relief. Is it the power unit upgrades like struggling with Lewis and Max? Like, what do you think is the cause of this improved like? sessions that we're seeing week in and week out for Valtteri. 
I think it's probably due to like the power unit upgrades that we saw. Um, I think it's probably a tough case to state that he's going to win another race. But um, yeah, you know, I, I don't know now that, you know, there has to be some kind of relieved pressure of like, okay, I don't have Mercedes breathing down my neck. They're probably sharing less and less with him as far as like team meetings, just because they know he's going to maybe not a direct competitor, but another you know, another team on the grid. Um, I, I think the answer to this is going to be found in whether or not he does win another race. Because I, fe- I feel like if he does, it's like, yeah, you know, there, there obviously was a huge monkey on his back. So we'll see. Moving on. NBA and F1 announce a content and promotion partnership. So saw this. It intrigued me. I'm not the biggest NBA fan, but, you know, I'll watch every now and then. And so tried to find a little more info on this. Basically, all I found was two things. You know, there were graphics of F1 cars with the liveries designed with NBA colors and logos. And also, the rest of the partnership will include, we saw Mattia Binotto balling out and shooting some hoops from the free throw line. I guess they're saying that there's going to be a you know, video coming out of F1 drivers shooting basketballs, which I don't necessarily think that that is their skill set. I don't even know if a lot of these drivers have ever held a basketball before. So, you know, I, I think there could be an upside to this just as far as like seeing these pretty much just as far as seeing these absolute freak athletes that are in, you know, kind of their own world come into another sport and look like, you know, probably seventh grade basketball players. Yeah. What came to my mind first was, remember the NBA, like, years, probably, what, like, eight, ten years ago, they did that Christmas jingle where a bunch of the the stars lined up and they started shooting baskets, uh, had, like, jingle bells or bells on the, uh, below oh, yeah. like, the basket, yeah, the rims, yeah. and they did a little jingle. I could see them, except, like, instead of below the rim, they're all around the backboard when they brick the shit out of these shots. <laughs> and that's what the F1, like, theme, like, entrance song to the This Weekend is. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, what a weird, like, partnership, but I'm glad they do it. It gets more eyes, baby. It's all about those numbies. Yeah, I guess so. We have Otmar Sofnauer, the team principal for Aston Martin, uh, had a couple, a few very interesting quotes. One saying that uh, he could easily see three races uh, in the U.S. It is a very viable and possible thing that we could see that. Extremely, extremely exciting. Obviously, we have Miami and Austin. Curious what that third one would be. Indianapolis. But, um, Indianapolis. I don't know. Okay, yeah, yeah, that's cool. Just big ol' yep, no. Or somewhere else, a little more fun, a little more uh, yeah, exciting on the grid, on the grid of the United States. Uh, the second one I found extremely interesting that the color, the amount, and the location of the paint on cars next year will be a big factor on car performance. I actually was very curious on that. Uh, actually did some last-minute digging on it, and he said that a potential weak point was of its green livery for 2021 was the darkness of delivery and that the dark pantone has not been as good as it originally hoped i don't know how color and like the darkness of colors are affecting these liveries are affecting the pace but i mean shocker i i who would have thought but uh yeah apparently that's a thing then that they are focusing that on 2022 I can just imagine a room where Otmar and Lawrence Stroll are sitting, you know, together and Lawrence is like, hey, you know, we're putting a lot of money into this and the results haven't necessarily been there. We're on the top, like, we're not in the top five anymore. We, we finished, what was it, fourth last year. And Otmar's like, you know, it's the damn paint 
that's just slowing us down. If you didn't want this dark green, you stupid idiot, we'd be fine. <laughs> it's just this paint is just slowing us down like crazy. You see how dark it is? It's crazy out there, man. We gotta change up. The There's nothing else though. There is nothing else on this car that you could change but this heavy ass fucking paint that you put on. Everything you else, stupid idiot. Everything else is working great, but yeah, this is your fault, Lawrence. You're the one that wants. Dude, we copied Mercedes. We copied Mercedes. <laughs> we should be as fast as them. But do they have dark green paint? No. <laughs> they have darker black paint, but that's fast. That's fast black. We need to go darker. Get to the room. Love it. Uh, next up, we have Coda, or the Circuit of the America, having bumps has made the news. Uh, being talked about by a couple of F1 drivers because it's causing some concern in terms of like setup for cars and changing the setup because of these bumps. I think there's going to be a little more need for downforce here. I think uh, MotoGP was racing there either last weekend or a couple weekends ago, and they said that they were really struggling with it. So I think we do have like a little bit of room to look forward to this as fans because you know some bump and if, if somebody somebody bumps into another car and they hit a bump on the road, you know I, I think that could cause for some spin out. So just a little you know extra factor that could cause a little more drama here. Let's get some ramps into F1. Let's get some fucking skateboard ramps. I don't know, dude. Like big, big, big bumps. Equal ramps. I want some ramps. Like I want to be like, all right, like here he's gonna take the boost, the roll ramp boost. You ever see uh, it, dude? How many times has Mario Kart had a ramp and it always adds to the track? <laughs> yeah, it adds to the track and it adds to your speed. So yeah, let's just incorporate some stuff. If it's too bumpy, let's just instead of leaning away from the skid of the bumps, you lean into it. Big, bigger the bumps, bigger bumps. It's America. Bigger is better. Let's make them bigger. I don't know why the FIA doesn't listen to us. Yeah, well, we'll start. Start putting some thre- threats into our letters that we. Send. That's good. Yeah, put it some so anthrax. Usually, in that ha- usually. <laughs> okay, well, those are that is not a threat. I think that is an attack. <laughs> Very big difference. But yeah, no. I mean, if they don't listen to the threats, then the attacks come. Yeah. Because I mean, if you're not gonna actually perform on your threats, then the they're just empty threats, and we're not about that. Not at the Eaton Asphalt Podcast. No. Not us. Not this brand. No. We would not have an empty threat here. We will follow through. Yeah. Because we're good people. Yeah. And speaking of good people, good guy Sebastian Vettel slams F1 after agreeing to a 10-year contract with Qatar, Qatar, whatever, however you pronounce it. Um, this just uh, does not surprise me at all. Um, it really falls in the norm of how great and supportive and he's not afraid to, you know, he's not bending the knee to a lot of these issues that we've been seeing with F1 with kind of the world in general. So uh, I... More props to him. I think he is my driver of the year. Uh, he has moved up Ooh. in my book this year more than any other driver that I've really you know come to love and adore. So honestly, more more power to him. There's a chance that he might be in a body bag with Cutter. Uh, I don't <laughs> think that they're fans of like slander um, around their name. So like maybe he gets COVID around for the next ten years, however long he's he's around on the F1 track since his a ten year contract. Maybe he just doesn't show up to these races. Yeah, I can't imagine that they were super happy about this. Cotter doesn't necessarily seem like a country that is very tolerant with media slander. So, yeah, I I mean, this is the same country that is using basically slave labor right now to build uh, the mm-hmm. World Cup stadiums. So we're just going to go ahead and ignore that because the World Cup is awesome. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like, World Cup has always been known for, like, clean – Doing the right thing, no no issues, no under the table problems um, that they're dealing with. Some under the table money, always just outstanding people, outstanding organization. 
All right, good stuff. That was a very healthy sector of recent headlines. Couldn't have come at a better time as we are shipping off to Austin in less than 24 hours here. Speaking of Austin, speaking of Circuit of the Americas, and speaking of the United States Grand Prix, let's talk a little bit about the, the Grand Prix itself, go into a little bit about the track, and then Marco's going to cover the weather. So starting with the U.S. Grand Prix, uh, you know, racing has been in the U.S. for a long time, and, and this isn't necessarily F1 related, but back in 1904, I saw this and learned about the Vanderbilt Cup. I don't know if you've ever heard about the Vanderbilt Cup, but it was a racing event in New York, kind of the first large organized motor racing that had like a big prize. They actually had so many problems with crowd control that they had to shut it down for one of the years that they were running it. Um, just too many deaths and injuries in the stands. It was run in New York, like I said, so New Yorkers do tend to be a little bit more of a hostile breed. So yeah, pre-F1, there was racing absolute chaos um, kind of like cleaned it up when the first f1 world championship era grand prix happened that was in 1959 so the first like actual official f1 world championship uh you know running was 1959 in florida uh, next year they moved to california and for the next 20 years after that it was held in watkins Glen, new york um, so, you know, kind of all over the map there, Florida, New York, California, heavily populated areas, but in very different parts of the country. So yeah, like I said, 20 year stretch held in New York. Uh, they took about a seven year break and then moved to Phoenix for a three year stint in Phoenix. Um, that was, you know, every time they raced in Phoenix, either Alan Prost or Ayrton Senna finished P1. So that was kind of during that era. Took another seven year break without United States GP. Uh, and then for eight years, it was held in my hometown of Indianapolis. So that, had, you know, if you remember, that was, uh, you know, the massive incident in 2005 where because of some tire complications between Michelin and Bridgestone, only six drivers ended up actually racing. Pissed off a lot of fans, pissed off F1. Uh, Indy was definitely not happy because they had to issue refunds. So it kind of made contract extensions impossible for the USGP to happen in Indy. Following two years, they you know, were kind of like the, the wind down in Indy. And then finally, we have our current solution, which was the Circuit of the Americas. Circuit of the Americas had their first GP in 2012 in Austin, Texas. And that's where we've been basically ever since, except for that COVID year last year. So since they've been coming to the Grand Prix in Austin, Mercedes have been super dominant, only losing out on the win twice, once to Sebastian Vettel in 2013, once to Kimi Raikkonen in 2018. Uh, yeah, this is, you'll hear a lot of people say like this is you know a good shot for Red Bull to kind of like open that gap a little more for Max and Lewis or close the gap from Red Bull to Mercedes. But, you know, history shows that Mercedes does have a really good record on this track. Um, and then just as far as like, you know, main points of history that have happened at the Circuit of the Americas, Kimi won here in 2018. He was in a Ferrari, which was a, you know, a race-winning worthy car, um, but he did, you know, that race broke a 107 race drought of winning, you know, coming across P1 after the checkered flag. So that was like kind of a, a pretty big moment for him. You know, I remember hearing the radio after the win and him being like, Jesus, finally. So like typical Kimmy fashion. 2019 was the last year that they raced at the Circuit of the Americas. It was Valtteri Bottas that came across first during the checkered flag, but it was actually the same race that Lewis officially won the Drivers' World Championship, and that was with two races left to go. So, um, yeah, some you know this track holds a pretty special place in people's heart. Um, but uh, but yeah, let's talk about the track now that we've talked about that. 
20-turn track. This is tied for the most number of turns on the current calendar, um, with Spa and Baku each having 20 turns themselves. There's a circuit that they're building in Saudi Arabia that we're going to be racing in in December that's going to have 27 turns, but since that doesn't totally exist yet, I think it's still a lot of dust and sand right now. Uh, we're going to say that Circuit of the Americas is tied for first with Spa and Baku. Lap length is about 3.4 miles or 5.5 kilometers. Got some good high-speed corners along with some like windy, low-speed corners. And then, of course, mixed in with the main straight, which is where the grandstands are. And then a long back straight where I think most of the overtaking is going to end up happening. So, um, you know, it's, it's it has kind of everything. It's just one of those tracks where it was designed to specifically not favor, you know, maybe just like a Hungaro ring where it's all just like high-speed corners. Or, um, you know, kind of Monaco where there's a lot of just like ins and outs. As far as records held here at Circuit of the Americas... Uh, fastest race lap here in an F1 car was a time of 1 minute 36 seconds, 0.169. That was by Charles Leclerc in 2019. I'm actually kind of interested to see what Ferrari's going to do this weekend, especially with Science's new power unit. Um, so they, that was during a race, and then fastest lap in a qualifying session was actually set by Valtteri Bottas the same year, 2019, over four seconds faster with the 1 minute 32 second 0.029 lap. Another thing to keep an eye out for at the track is there's like a massive, pretty out of place looking observation tower. It's like a random Washington monument looking thing where some spectators you can go up the elevator but some spectators who aren't lucky enough to do that will climb 419 stairs to be 230 feet above ground uh, and you get a full panoramic view of the track so you can watch a car go across the finish line do a full lap and then cross the finish line um, you know all without losing sight of that car uh, and then also just kind of fun little fact there's like a stadium amphitheater um, inside the track so Billy Joel and 21 pilots are going to be there this weekend uh, but yeah they'll, they'll join people who have performed there throughout an F1 weekend like Stevie Wonder, Taylor Swift, Justin Timberlake, Britney Spears, Imagine Dragons, Bruno Mars so pretty good company but, uh, but yeah I, I'm like this is probably the sporting event that I've been most excited to attend in my life just because I think like a full weekend of activities it's going to be like mashing together a music festival festival and like a, a football game with like just some very good quality entertainment so i think uh yeah that's everything i have on circuit of the americas what are you most excited for you know of you know, most excited for the track like the inner workings of the track you excited to get up the observation tower like what's highest on your list when we go uh i don't know i, I mean I, I think that observation tower seems very cool to kind of get like an all-seeing bird's eye view of of everything i think the atmosphere is just going to be wild i, I think that is kind of like hearing the stories of the indy 500 with people just you know, going crazy, uh, lighting couches on fire. I think there's just going to be this like huge, passionate American kind of like eluding out of everything. Uh, like you even see a lot of the drivers, Danny Rick, uh, with the, the very funny, uh, facial hair that he's going, he's rocking again with that. He, I think wore in 2018, uh, which was just kind of like mutton chops going into, um, a mustache. So I saw him repping that earlier this week. Hopefully he keeps that. But yeah, I think it's the environment like, like this week for me, I may, I'm obviously biased, but it's, like, it seems like the rate, the drivers are like, this has got to be the most exciting, like circled off spot that they go to all year, just because there's so much that these guys are doing. Um, for instance, Lewis Hamilton was driving around Millie Bobby Brown, Usain Bolt, The Miz from WWE, 
Pierre Gasly and Charles Leclerc were at opening night floor seats with Tony Parker for the with the ring induction for the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, Danny Rick had uh, talks and, and met up with Josh Allen. In years past, there's just been so many famous people coming to this race. Matthew McConaughey, Gerard Butler, Keanu Reeves, Bill Clinton. So yeah, I think like Jesus. not only does, and, and just with the, the popularity of the sport and F1 has over the last couple of years and, and how big of a celebrity thing it was in the past, I think it's just going to be like so much fun. We're going to see and hear of so many people going to it. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm just, I think that atmosphere is just going to be hard to beat. And then you got downtown Austin to kind of experience, keep Austin weird and, and kind of see that, side of things as well so yeah i mean I, it, it's hard to choose honestly uh i think seeing these race cars in person seeing them drive i think is also going to be just uh, a sight to behold there's something very special about a super loud race car whizzing by you like i you know i've been to the indy 500 several times and it just makes the hair on the back of your neck stand up and it just gives you goosebumps so yeah i i think uh i, I would agree the atmosphere is going to be electric um, rumor is that there's going to be some people wearing Eaton Asphalt t-shirts and some Eaton Asphalt stickers posted all around Circuit of the Americas. So I'm excited to see that. Uh, and, you know, some koozies might be flying around as well. But, uh, but yeah, I think that along with just like the, the feeling of watching machinery go by you at 220 miles an hour, um, I, there's, there's something very, very special about that. So I think that's the reason for all the buzz and that's the reason for, for the excitement of the race. And speaking of the race, let's get into our race predictions. But before we do that, Marco, do you have a word from our sponsors? Yeah. Uh, our, oh, by the way, uh, just want to cover the weather for Austin this coming. Uh, Friday is going to be 88 and sunny. Saturday is going to be 88 and partially cloudy. Sunday, 88, 30% chance of rain. Hopefully that's not a problem. I would love to see a sunny, shiny day. Uh, 30% doesn't seem too worrisome, but keep an eye for that. But moving right along to our sponsors. So our sponsor for this podcast is... America is our sponsor. And I hope all listeners, like we were, had our hands over our hearts. Uh, I stood up. If you're driving, sorry, those are the rules. Stand the fuck up. Uh, and yeah, um, just, you know, respect, respect the name, respect the flag. So yeah, huge sponsor for us. Uh, that's been something that we've been working on for a while. 
And moving right along to our race predictions to catch everyone up. We have the score, Ian 17, Marco 19. And just diving right into it, who do we think will crash for DNF? I'm going to go with Antonio Giovinazzi. I'm going to go with Pierre Gasly. His words about the bumps made me think that that's kind of in the back of his head. So put me down for Gasly. As far as winner, I'm going to use my last Lewis Hamilton it's not because I want him to win. This is just an emotional hedge that I would be kind of bummed out if I went to an F1 race in person and just saw the guy who wins most of the races win. So this is my emotional hedge of Lewis Hamilton. Okay, I'm going to go with, I think, kind of disagreeing with what you were saying. Of You don't see Valtteri winning another race this year. I'm going to go with Valtteri. He's been on the hot streak, as we've been saying, and I think it's going to keep on rolling. Moving on to last place, our favorite. I am going to use one of my Mazepin counts, and I just, you know, Russians and Americans don't really mesh well together, so I think that we're going to see that on the track as well. I have six Mazepins left, and I realize that there are six races left, so I think the only thing that I can really do is also go with Mazepin, so this will be a null if Mazepin ends up getting it. Uh, but I think it's probably a bad idea not to do that. I don't think he's going to get a lot of racing time before those blue flags actually come out. So, yeah, I, I think that's a pretty safe bet. Um, we'll talk about um, as far as most overtakes. I'm going to go with Sebastian Vettel here. Um, just kind of seems like he's due for one of his good races that happen every so often, and, and I'm going to ride with him. Yeah, I'm going to go with Fernando Alonso. Both both Vettel and Alonso are lead or on kind of the top of the most overtakes this year. So, yeah, I think it, it makes sense to, to choose both of these guys. Moving on to driver of the day, I am going to go with Lewis Hamilton. So, you know, if if I'm going to hedge your winner with my driver of the day, if Lewis wins, hopefully he gets driver of the day. Kind of, you know, chestnut checkers mentality on here. So, yeah, that's what I'm going with. That's a great move, actually. Damn. You're a smart guy. Uh, I'm going to go with Carlos Sainz. I'm interested to see. I mean, mean, obviously it was a different year, but the 2019 Ferrari seemed pretty strong in the race. So um, with his new power unit, I hope he can pull something off. Put me down for Carlos Sainz. And douche of the day brought to you as always by Summer's Eve. I'm going to go with Fernando Alonso. Just kind of no reason here. Who are you going to go with? Yeah, I'm going to go with Kimmy. Uh, I picked Kimmy last week, I believe. And, yeah, I mean, we have not had, like, a true douche of the day for quite a number of weeks. Which we got a load of them at the beginning of the year. So, yeah, I mean, someone's due, uh, hopefully. So, yeah, we'll see. And moving on to fastest pit stop minus old Red Bull. I'm going to go with the brothers of Red Bull, AlphaTauri. And I'm going to go with Mercedes, hopefully getting me some points there. Finally, our wild card prediction. I'm going to say that exactly four cars are going to DNF. And I'm going to go, I'm going to steal one from Ian's playbook. I'm going to go with Pierre Gasly, gets on the podium. Son of a bitch. And uh, not really, I guess, an anti-hedge because you think he's going to crash or DNF. So, um, yeah, I'm going to think he's going to do very, very well. Um, And I'm going to throw in a secondary wild card prediction since Ian did last week. I'm going to predict that Ian gets arrested or a drinking ticket this weekend. Okay, I appreciate that. Getting me some good juju coming down my way. (laughs) How strict do you think they are with people acting acting a fool at Circuit of the Americas? You think we're running any risk by by, uh, being ourselves? I think they have a lot more problems to, to worry about, probably like health and safety of people and like actually people getting in fights and aggressive. That I think that there's a lot that we could get away with. 
Well, that's all I need to act a fool. So, uh, love it. Let's. I'm it. trying to get that sublimity in your head to get that wild card <laughs> prediction right. Chestnut checkers again by Marco. <laughs> love it, man. All right. Well, I think that wraps up a pretty solid episode in front of a pretty solid weekend, I hope. Um, man, like I said, I'm just absolutely buzzing. Can't wait to be down there with the boys, watch some cars go vroom. Any last thoughts before we are officially uh, F1 Grand Prix v- viewers? F1 Grand Prix viewers? Viewers, visitors, uh, attendees. Yeah, um, not not too much. No, uh yeah, send uh, send some prayers. Would love to meet some fans, you know, out out there. So yeah, let us know if you're there. You might uh, get hit in the dome with a beer, but on that <laughs> beer is an Eaton Asphalt koozie. Hey-o! So you're welcome. And so yeah, just be on the lookout for us. We will be all around the city, all around the town. Uh, Going to be there probably Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So yeah, uh, be on the lookout. We probably will be there Friday, Saturday, Sunday, unless something goes terribly wrong. Since. That's our itinerary. But anyway, that is going to wrap it up for us at the Eaton Asphalt Podcast, episode 35. 35 episodes, man. How about it? Good for us. It feels like three. Feels like feels like the first time every time. Um, <laughs> that'll be it. Appreciate everybody listening. We will see you after the race in Austin. All right. See you, assholes. See you, assholes.